Taking you up to 10 o'clock before we pass the rock to the JR Sport Brief Show. Appreciate you all tapping in with me thus far. We've gotten through plenty of hot-button topics thus far here in the show. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today is former NFL executive Randy Mueller. You can follow him on Twitter at Randy Mueller. Randy Appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Hey, my pleasure. Good to be with you. What's going on tonight? Nothing much, man. We're trying to. We were sorting through the uh, Washington Commanders and their terrible defensive performance throughout the first two games of the preseason. So I guess we'll start there with you, Randy. As somebody who is a former exec, how difficult is it during training camp to evaluate just how good you are when you're only going up against yourselves? And then I'm making yeah. a two-parter. How much do you value the joint practices, and how beneficial do you think they are? Well, I think, first of all, it is hard to really know where you are as a team from any preseason games. I'll start there. I think from joint practices and from what you've done the first couple weeks against yourselves, I think you can get a little better idea. In, in preseason games, as you're finding out, nobody's playing anybody. There's no scheme. There's no game plans. There's little or nothing that you're going to use there that will translate into the regular season. So that part, you know, I think we just got to take the bad with the good, right? We understand why we're playing these preseason games. It's really to get young players looked at and to evaluate individually your roster to make sure that you have the best 53 coming out. And not only that, the 53 plus 16 on your practice squad. So there's a couple different ways to look at it. I don't think you can judge how good you're going to be at all by the way your team plays in preseason. Now, obviously, there's administrative things. There's execution issues. There's some of that stuff is going to carry over. But for the most part, that's going to be done by a different set of players than who is playing in these preseason games. Yeah, it's an interesting nugget that you you brought up, Randy, because here in Washington, a lot of people are up in arms about the performance of this defense, specifically on third down thus far in the preseason. Obviously, as you know, last year Washington ranked 31st in the National Football League on third down. And they come in the preseason, and they give up four for four on third down against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then in week one against Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, they were shredded on third down as well. You say you can't get much from the preseason performances, but are there is, is there something that, that you would consider alarming is there anything that could be bad enough to where you say, hey, well, maybe this is a problem? Well, I think if you couple it with where your numbers showed you they were last year, that's definitely alarming. I think in the overall, the body of work should be there where they should be better. Obviously, the head coach, that's his area of expertise. And, right. you know, uh, Jack Del Rio, same thing. These are two guys that are well uh accoladed throughout the NFL, they've got to find a way to get the defense better. I think that would probably ding my confidence as much as anything is if our two leaders can't solve their side of the game of of the process, then that's a little bit alarming. So at some point you're going to have to play better on defense, how and when, I don't know, but obviously (laughs) last year was no indicator of how good we can be. I think that the individual parts, and that means the players individually are, are better than they group as a whole, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And, and it gives us an answer to a question we've been trying to figure out here in Washington since since last year, Randy. 
Because defensively, as you mentioned, there is really no excuse uh, for Washington not to be better. You mentioned Ron Rivera and Jack DeRio, two guys that are well-versed in NFL defenses, uh, finding some struggles right now. We'll move to the offensive side of the ball, though, for the commanders here real quick. Randy, I don't know how much of the preseason you've gotten to watch, but Carson Wentz uh, has definitely been under a microscope here in town. Uh, Only thrown for 138 yards and about three quarters of work. From the quarterback position, when you've got a new guy coming in and learning a new offense, how vital is the preseason? Oh, I think you've got to get your reps. I would probably put more uh, value in a joint practice, and I don't know where they are in their joint practices if they've even had any. There seems no, to be they, a, they don't have. They haven't had any, which is the alarming yeah. thing. Yeah, that that would not be a good thing. I think I, I I'll, for example, I was at Green Bay in the Saints joint practices last week in Green Bay. Talked to both GMs, talked to many people around there. Everybody said the same thing for me. I would rather have these than any preseason game. They can get more done. They can script it. They can be more prepared. They can, get a, they can run more things because teams aren't sharing that film either. So they don't have to play it as close to the vest as right. you do in these preseason games because everybody gets that film. So I think they're probably missing the boat if they're not having some of these joint practices. That would be alarming. Um, I know that old school guys don't necessarily want to do that, but hey, that's the best way to do it. If Bill Belichick's doing it, there's a pretty good chance we all should be doing it. <laughs> Correct. I think that I'm is going to go uh, with that one. Right. That's yeah. a good formula to go by, Randy. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today is former NFL executive, 2000 NFL executive of the year, Randy Mueller. You can follow him on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. You said you've been out to a couple of training camps. You mentioned that you were out at joint practice for the uh, for the Saints and the Packers. Where else have you been thus far? Well, I was at the at the Bears Seattle game the other night, and I've watched a ton of film. I've I've actually got a, access to a lot of game film in preseason. And believe it or not, I'm crazy. I sit down and watch a lot of preseason film at night, <laughs> and uh, I can kind of uh, gives me a chance to get to know players and compare what I thought of them in the draft coming out. So from that standpoint, you can't help but get a feel for what's going on around the league. Yeah, we'll talk about the Chicago Bears here for a second because they got to uh, be showcased on Monday Night Football uh, against yeah. the Seattle Seahawks uh, this past week. From what I saw in that game, Justin Fields right now seemed like he was under a lot of duress. And all the reports coming out of training camp is that him and offensive coordinator Luke Getze have really hit it off. But I wonder, Randy, from a schematical standpoint and from a personnel standpoint, does he have enough to be successful in year two in Chicago? There, there's a bunch of no-name guys at the receiver spot, and the offensive line is less than to be desired. If you were building this roster, would you have done? Would you have gotten him some more help at the receiver position, or do you think right now for him it's about him individually getting better and some of the parts around him aren't really important? Well, I think he will be better because the speed of the game should have slowed down for him in year two. That's just a fact. The, the learning the quarterback trade is a process, and obviously year two's better than year one or should be. I thought from, and I was at the game, I thought that Justin Fields was the best player on the field when he played the other night. Now, he was 5-7. of seven. He wasn't out there long. I understand why they're getting him out of there. But the offensive line is, is a bit of a concern for me. I think it's going to limit what they do. They've got to have a running game. They've got to slow down the pass rush. I think, But you can only run so many screens and draws to slow people down. So I think that's going to be an issue with him is can they do some other things 
so that he doesn't have to hold the ball in the pocket and then take off and, and scramble and make things happen with his legs because we all know that's not a recipe for long-term viability in the NFL. So I've been impressed with what I've seen. I don't think the Bears are going to be there yet. I think they're a work in progress. Hopefully he can overcome that and, and again, just buy time until they can surround him with some people. And, and the system is, is going to be tested. They, they've got a new system. He's got a new system. So other than learning the speed of the game at the NFL level, he's had to start over again. That's never a good thing in your second year to be learning your second offense. Yeah, it's not. And hopefully uh, for Justin Fields' sake, he can get it together there in Chicago. Elsewhere around that uh, NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings is, is a team uh, that's very interesting to me. Kevin O'Connell coming there, uh, taking over as the new head coach. I, I think that Kirk Cousins is going to thrive in that offense, and I think we saw uh, what, what Adam Thielen was able to do, I mean, excuse me, what Cooper Cup was able to do in L.A. with the Rams. Do you forecast that type of uh, statistical outbreak for Justin Jefferson? You know, that, that may be the case. I think there's no disputing Justin Jefferson is one of the up-and-comers, maybe in the top four or five in the league right now. But I see an offense that's really struggling to learn a new system. Okay. I mean, this, this team ran 50 plays the other night in their preseason game. That's not very many. Um, I think the backup quarterbacks are really struggling right now to figure out what's going on, so much so that they won't play Kurt because they know if he gets hurt, there's a big drop-off. <laughs> yeah. I think Kellen Mond has been disappointing. Um, Mannion, the other guy that's a veteran that's been around, kind just, of disappointing. They just traded for Nick Mullins today. so that's Yeah, I know. But I saw the film on Nick Mullins in, in Raiderland, and I'm not sold that that's <laughs> much better. You know, So I'd hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I just haven't seen that same optimism when I've watched the Vikings this preseason that, that some of you share. Maybe I'll drink the Kool-Aid here at some point, but <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not quite as optimistic about Kirk Cousins and their offense, although I like the, the parts we talked about. Obviously, they have Thielen, they have Jefferson, and, and we'll see. But I just they're not very deep, and I think it's going to be a struggle to learn the new scheme and, and really be productive early in the season. Wow. Hot-button take there from, from former NFL GM Randy Mueller. Randy, let's take it things back to the NFC East. Uh, somebody who's been drawing rave reviews thus far in training camp is Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. A lot of the guys within that organization raving about the growth uh, that he's taken heading into year three. Uh, for you, when, when you take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles and look at the moves that they made this offseason, the 33rd team, Randy, had them rated as the number one offense heading into 2022. I guess that has to do with the combination of, of, of Jalen Hurts and what he can do on the ground and then the anticipation that you know he's going to be a better thrower. Do you think Philadelphia has that type of potential offensively to be the best in the league? Well, I think the key is potential. I think they've done a great job managing their roster. I think Howie Roseman should get credit for putting together a really good collection of talent. Now it comes down to what can the coaches get out of them and how can they come together. I think the pressure, and I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. I am actually all in on him. I've seen progress with him ever since his days at Alabama, through Oklahoma, through his first couple years in Philly. I think he's gotten better. But they've got to find a way to advance their passing game. Now they have the weapons, and when I say advance it, from a drop-back standpoint, from a pocket passer, he's got to get better. And I could never rate their offense number one like the 33rd team has just based on prognostications. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen this offense operate and him throw from the pocket at a level that's going to put them in elite grouping. And and maybe we'll see that in time. I don't doubt that uh, because I do like Hurts, but I think the pressure there – is on the coaching staff. 
and the pressure there, they've got to advance that passing game somehow, some way. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but they have the players to do it. Now it's just a matter of working it out. Yeah, Nick Seriani and company going to have to make their money. We'll stick in the NFC yep. East here. Uh, Randy, Daniel Jones is somebody who drew rave reviews from his performance this past weekend. What have you seen from the Giants in two preseason games? And do you think that Brian Dable can rectify the career of Daniel Jones? Well, I think he can. I think from what I saw, and I didn't see the other night, I saw the first game on film and studied it hard. I was worried for Daniel Jones's health because their pass protection was not good. Yeah. Now, they had backups in there, but it was a struggle. They, didn't, they had a hard time keeping him upright, and that worries me. I worry about the kid getting hurt. I do think Brian Dable is good. I think their roster will improve. I like the additions that they've made through the draft this year. I just think it's going to take them some time. I think they're headed in the right direction, but I could see a team, you know, winning six or seven games, and, and that's, that's enough progress for me. Yeah, I think it would definitely uh, signify progress for the Giants, obviously a team that hasn't qualified for the postseason in a, in a yep. long time uh, standing at this point. Randy, when you take a look at the NFC East as a whole, obviously the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the, the the winners of the division from a season ago, uh, based off the the losses that they've suffered on the offensive side of the ball in combination uh, with their defense, uh, hard to, it's going to be hard to replicate the amount of turnovers that they forced last year. Do you think Dallas is a shoe-in to win the NFC East? And I'll make it a two-parter here for you. How far do you think they can go in this conference with Dak Prescott leading the way? Well, I, I love Dak. I do think they're capable, but I think Philly has really closed the gap and is nudged out ahead of them. I believe in Hurts, like I said. I think they are the favorites now. I think that may be okay with Dallas. They, they need to play from behind with more urgency, get off to a good start. They've got to tighten the ship there, stop making the penalties, stop making mistakes that they've made in the past. But I do think the pressure is on Kellen Moore there. They have got to find a way to run the ball. I don't have any doubt about Prescott. He can make all the throws. I'm good with what they've done that far. They've got a couple good backs. Their offensive line is not what it once was. So they've got to kind of rob Peter to pay Paul. And to do that, they're going to have to come up with some innovative ways to run the ball, I think. Their receivers are going to have to adjust. I worry about them, and that's why I think Philly, for me, has jumped ahead of the game in the NFC East. Randy, I didn't expect to learn a new saying from you tonight. Can you repeat that for me one time? You, for, what did you say? They're going to have... We're gonna have to rob Peter to pay Paul. I like that. <laughs> well, I, I guess my I, I Idaho way is saying yeah. they might need to trick some people. You know. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me some time, Randy. Hey, anytime. Thanks. Always get smarter. Talking ball with our man Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, 2000 NFL Executive of the Year. I didn't even I didn't didn't even get the chance to ask him. It says right here he's getting the opportunity to work with the Seattle Dragons in the XFL. So only here on overtime you're getting exclusive NFL breakdowns from some of the best in the biz. Got to take a quick time out. When we come back on the other side of this break, I'll tell you what NFC East quarterback based on the numbers is on the same career trajectory as 2022 MVP frontrunner Josh Allen. I'll tell you who on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. This is the fan. Big thanks to former NFL executive Randy Mueller for hopping on the program with us. Taking a spin around the National Football League. He's a film junkie. Got to ask him about some of the preseason film he's gotten a chance to break down. As he mentioned, he was out at some joint practices as well. Always a good time getting to pick his brain. Right now, though, I teased before the break, there's an NFC East quarterback based on the numbers that is on the same career trajectory as one Josh Allen. 
Now, if you are a regular listener of the program and are, and are regularly tuned in when I'm on here, you probably have an inkling of who I'm talking about here. I'm talking about New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Now, before you call me a crazy man, let me give you some of the numbers here. Because Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, a lot more similar than the casual football fan might think. Take a listen here. So through their first 38 career games, Josh Allen has a 51 to 28 touchdown to interception ratio. Daniel Jones, 45 to 29. Daniel Jones has a higher completion percentage through 38 career games at 63% compared to Josh Allen's 60%. Now, in the combination of rushing yards per game and passing yards per game, Daniel Jones, 247 through 38 career games. Josh Allen, 249 through 38 career games. So the numbers are kind of similar here. Now, the reason that I have so much confidence in Daniel Jones to take a Josh Allen-like step. Now, when I say that, I don't mean Daniel Jones is going to start running for 110 yards in a game and throw for five touchdowns and do all the Houdini stuff that, that, that Josh Allen does, but there is one common denominator between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, and that's Giants head coach Brian Dable, who worked hand-in-hand and directly with Josh Allen. Coming out of the University of Wyoming, Josh Allen was raw, was a raw prospect at the position, had a lot to work on. There were big questions about his accuracy. People wondered, did he have the mechanics to play the position at the next level? But as we've seen from Josh Allen, he sure as hell has the intangibles and the mechanics to play ball at the National Football League level. He should be and probably is the MVP frontrunner for this year. He is. Let's call a spade a spade. I don't even think it's debatable. He's got to be. And the Buffalo Bills have got to be the Super Bowl favorite for this season. But for Josh Allen, what I love about him and why I think Daniel Jones has the opportunity to get close but maybe won't be all that Josh Allen is, but he's got the opportunity to close the gap between the two. Josh Allen got better in each of his years as the starter in Buffalo. You've seen a significant jump in him statistically each season that he's been on the field. You also saw him get better with his accuracy each year that he's been on the field. And for Daniel Jones, he's kind of regressed. And I think that's the argument and the knock that people have on Daniel Jones is that we saw the best stuff from Daniel Jones during his 12 starts in his rookie year where he completes 62% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, 12 picks. Since then, though, for Daniel Jones, it's kind of been downhill. Last year, completing 64% of his passes, 10 touchdowns to 7 interceptions, it's mediocre. It's not, it's not anything to write home about. But the best thing sometimes for a young quarterback is either a change of scenery or things change where you currently are. And for Daniel Jones, the Giants bring in Brian Dable, and his job is to get Daniel Jones to play the best football of his career. 
the similar job that he had in Buffalo was to get Josh Allen to be that guy. In the last two seasons, Josh Allen has proved he is that guy. Last year, 36 touchdowns, 15 picks, throws for 4,400 yards, completes 63% of his passes. The year before that, 37 touchdowns to just 10 interceptions. So you've seen the growth from Josh Allen. For Daniel Jones, I think pairing him with Brian Dable in combination with the weapons that they have in New York with Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Wandell Moore, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, they've got legitimate pieces at the skill positions for the Giants. It is about can Brian Dable get Daniel Jones to eliminate the stupid stuff in his game, as I like to call it. Because for your first two seasons as an NFL quarterback to come out and throw double-digit picks, it shows you have a problem protecting the football. And I think Daniel Jones would admit that. He has struggled to protect the football. But I think in this Brian Dable offense, you are going to see him put an emphasis on the positives, on the good things in Daniel Jones' game. And Commanders fans, you know it better than anybody else. He turns into white Michael Vick whenever he plays us. That kid is mobile. He has the ability to make plays outside the structure of an offense. He has the ability to make off-schedule plays. For Daniel Jones, it's about can the Giants keep him upright and can he protect the football? Because when healthy and when he is protecting the football, Daniel Jones has proven he's got some good stuff to his game. There is a skill set to work with. There is. You go back to last season, there were moments where you looked at Daniel Jones and said, hmm, this guy's pretty good. Unfortunately, a couple of the times it happened against us here in Washington. But if you go to that week four game against the New Orleans Saints, who ended up having one of the top five defenses in the National Football League, Daniel Jones balled. 28 of 40, 402 yards, two touchdowns. You see the potential that Daniel Jones has. He flashes it every now and then. The big thing for Daniel Jones is getting him to do it on a week-to-week basis. And a lot of that has to do with the team around him. Can they be better on a week-to-week basis? Up front, they have struggled to protect Daniel Jones, which has led to the injuries that he's had, which has led to the inconsistencies because he's got to be on the field more often. He misses the final six games of last year. And for Daniel Jones, this preseason, I thought he's looked pretty good. There are things to build on. Now, while I say that I think he has the potential and possibility to get in the neighborhood of a Josh Allen. Now, when I say in the neighborhood of a Josh Allen, let me be very, very, very clear. Nats Park and our studios here at 1015 Half Street are in the same neighborhood, but there is a clear significant gap between Nats Park and our station here. Daniel Jones can get in the neighborhood, but do I ever think he'll be a Josh Allen? No. But for Daniel Jones, the expectation shouldn't be too much 
for him to be a quarterback that goes out and throws 20 to 25 touchdowns in under 10 picks a year. He's got that in him. It is on Brian Dable in this scheme offensively to unlock and emphasize the things that Daniel Jones does well. And when you put an emphasis on those things, and I've listed some of them to you, his ability to make plays outside of the structure of the offense. He's mobile. He's got a decent arm. Pretty accurate thrower when throwing it deep. If they can get him to be more consistent in doing those things, I think I, I think he'll be better. Now you can say that with anybody, probably. If I get them to do the good things more, then they'll be better. I'm not saying much when I'm saying it. But look, based on the numbers through their first 38 career games, it isn't crazy to assume that Daniel Jones is going to make a significant leap. Because if you look at Josh Allen's career, he made his leap in his third season in 2020 when he comes out and throws 37 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. For Daniel Jones, he's now going into year four, I believe it is, if I'm not mistaken. It's his fourth season in the league. He had his breakout year as a rookie. So if you're Brian Dable, it is about tapping into those things that you saw from Daniel Jones as a rookie. Because the last two years, I will be completely honest, he struggled to stay healthy, and he's turned the football over far too much. But a lot of that can be attributed to him having to learn a new offensive system, time in and time out. And until last year, they didn't have the, 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 the requisite weapons for him to be successful. They didn't. But for, for, for but for Daniel Jones, I think if they can have a balanced attack, if they can have Saquon Barkley be a legitimate threat running the football, Daniel Jones can make teams pay with his arm. Just how good can he be? We don't know. I am in wait and see mode. I am not going to write Daniel Jones off because I want to see what he does with Brian Dable. I'm not going to do that yet. I want to see how he performs when everything's in harmony for him. Because right now, there's no pressure on Daniel Jones. And you all may say, well, the Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. How is there not pressure? That's why there's no pressure. They are banking on him to fail. So if he does go out and fail, it'll just be what everybody expected. So there isn't any pressure when that's the scenario. Now, if he goes out and gives you shades of 2019, then you'll have people second-guessing. You'll have the Giants in a tough position because we all know how good the quarterback class is coming out of college football this year. We know that there are at least five to six quarterbacks that are going to be first-round selections in 2023. For Daniel Jones this year, it's all about making sure he's the guy next year in New York. And in the process of that, I think we are going to see shades of a knockoff Josh Allen. There, I finally, I finally put it for what it is. We're going to see shades, potentially, of a knockoff Josh Allen. My producer in studio, Denton Day, has been shaking his head so much that we might need to get him a damn aspirin at the end of the show. Denton, what did I say so wrong? 
Well, I, I think your biggest mistake is is putting them, and I don't think you necessarily did this. It's whoever made that graphic. <laughs> but the idea of putting them in the same conversation, I think, is harmful to Daniel Jones in the long term. Because you do have to realize, like, you called Josh Allen a raw prospect, and he very much was. Uh, he is the NFL Combine's wet dream because he is all about intangibles that actually paid off in a way that, uh, as far as developing a quarterback, he's like a one in 300,000 type of thing. He should have never worked the way he does, and there's like natural instincts that we can now see on full display with Josh Allen. I mean, we were wa- talking during the break about the preseason where he's essentially juking defenders in the backfield like he's playing Pac-Man. It looked like it was an organized routine that everybody was in on the way he's sidestepping dudes and he throws for a touchdown. It's those like weird off, not necessarily even off platform, but like unorthodox things that he just naturally has that Daniel Jones doesn't. What you're falling into is the Josh Allen syndrome because the leap that he made from year two to year three does not happen. Like, he is literally a walking miracle that we see on our televisions. And I knew there was going to be someone in the NFL that was going to bank on someone that wasn't that good to make that same leap. And I have for years said it was going to be the Giants and Daniel Jones. I'm upset they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I don't think he's very good. I think he's average at best. So that's why I think you're nuts. I'll say this. Is that the nice way of putting it? I try to be nice. I was about to say, Denton, yeah, I appreciate it. My man's been gone for me for, for, for about a week and a half now. Comes back from vacation and tries to ether me the first chance he gets on it. I'm charged up. I was seeing bears. I'm charged up, man. <laughs> I mean, look, to put a bow on the conversation, like, yes, everything Denton said is 110, 110% correct. I was about to say 110% correct. Clearly, it's been a long day for me. But, yes, I, I love the way that, that Denton put it. Josh Allen is the NFL Combine's wet dream. There is no better way to put that because the things that we saw him do in Indianapolis at the scouting combine, coupled with what we've seen thus far in his short NFL career, tell the guy Denton Day, producer in studio today, showing he's well-versed in his Chuck Brown go-go music, celebrating the 86th birthday of the godfather of go-go all night long here on 106.7 The Fan. We've been coming back from break with Chuck Brown hits throughout the show, trying to commemorate the godfather of Go-Go on his 86th birthday. Appreciate you all tapping in with me all show long. Want to get to the phones here before we take the show off the road here. Let's go to Matthew in D.C. who wants to tap in with us. Matthew, what's going on, buddy? Uh, Hey, uh, I just wanted to say a few quick things. First, the take on uh, on Josh Allen versus Daniel Jones. Totally spot on, completely different. Josh Allen is a freak of nature, and everybody would love to have him on their team. Everybody would love to cut Daniel Jones. Uh, Number two and bigger. Just gave you a wink in the studio, by the way. So you you got you got him happy. (laughs) Good. Well, hopefully, I'll get you happy too. I got to tell you, I listen to one hundred six seven The Fan pretty much exclusively all day every day, Uh, and I apologize because I haven't had the chance to call you about this earlier. You're great. I love listening to you on overtime. I wish you had like a daytime show. Your your interview with Sally Jenkins from several weeks ago was really great. Love getting your uh, your ability to tease out what she was talking about in her article into greater detail. You're you're really well versed. 
you take you have good takes, but you don't take yourself too seriously. It's really awesome to have you on the air. Hey, I appreciate you, Matthew. That means a, a whole lot for me, man. I'm very young in this thing, just getting started, and stuff like that keeps me confident, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm 60, so I've heard a lot of it. You're good at it. <laughs> I'm not laughing because you're 60, but we're, we're, su- we're such a stark contract in ages, man. I'm 24. So there you have it. Yo, no, oh, you had my- to tell me that. You had to tell me that on the way out. I give you love, and, love. and you give me AARP. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I appreciate the call, Matt. Wow. If you guys have more comments like that, keep buttering me up. I love it. But no, I appreciate Matt, and I appreciate all of you. Uh, tapping in with me. Before we took the break, though, we were teasing. Uh, there's a there's a new fight song, or new excuse me, new pregame music uh, for the NFL. Amazon's Thursday Night Football. Uh, they are going to make their debut this fall and be the official uh, home of Thursday Night Football. You can stream all their games all season long. Uh, they've got a star-studded guest list and, uh, and, and panelist of analysts. I think, before we get out of here, Denton, if we could, let, let's play the brand new Amazon Thursday Night Football intro and see where it stacks up against the competition. They got me already. Just one. Hey! Denton, tell me if you agree with this. Right now, this just feels like a mashup of all the other songs. Yeah, it definitely does. What I think it needs is it needs a big game. You know, because the right. songs are defined when it, you know, it's big game, right. big moments, under the lights, nighttime game. You hear the song and you're like, yes. And in like November or something. Like right. it's big time football. This song is pretty generic now, but if it leads up to a big game, I think then you'll kind of feel it a little more. And Denton, if, if you want to take a look at the Thursday night football schedule, it's something I, I thought we should do here before we try to get out. The Thursday night football schedule, they are, they are so smart and, tr- and strategic with what they're trying to do right now. Think about it, right? Thursday night football is now going to be exclusively on Amazon. So for all of our older crabs in the crowd like Matt, no, I'm just joking. Matt, a very nice guy. I appreciate, us, appreciate him calling in. But for that group of people, right? You're probably a little irked that you're going to have to stream Thursday Night Football. I think Thursday Night Football was made basically for the young folks. The young folks. And look at the matchups that they're putting on in primetime on Thursday Night Football this year. It is matchups that are going to get you excited. There's going to be a lot of scoring in these Thursday Thursday Night Football matchups. And what better way to draw the young fan into the game than giving them the high-octane offenses on Thursday Night Football? I think it is going to be something that as we move throughout the uh, NFL year, I think we're going to put more value in the Thursday Night Contest. I don't think we're, gonna, we're not going to get a bunch of Jaguars and Jets games as we've been accustomed to because, as we all know, Thursday Night Football has been the AFC South Ugly Bowl. This year, I think that changes. That's all. That's all we got for you here tonight. I appreciate you all tapping in with me. Continue to follow me on Twitter, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. Back with you here on The Fan, Saturday afternoon.